Hi, my name is Alethea Aliare, and this is the Clean Your Room podcast. This is season one, episode 13, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, June 2, 2021, in Los Angeles, California. I hope you have had a great week and that you are ready for more organization, cleaning, and decluttering. I know I am. I was feeling pretty blah about it last week, but uh, now that I've done a little bit, I feel a lot better. So I'll tell you about that first. Uh, Actually, first off, I keep forgetting to mention that we now have t-shirts. They're from Threadless. I got myself one. I sent one to Ashlyn Anstey, who, as you may know, created the logo for this podcast. And you can actually select a specific cut of shirt and pick the background color you want to see the logo on. I personally love the Heather Gray, even though the speech bubble becomes a little bit see-through on the Heathers for some reason. Or maybe I like it because of the transparency. I'm not super sure. It looks like it's going to be more solid if you pick a darker solid color. So I'm not sure how that works. Um, Anyway, we are still pretty much staying home and staying safe. So I have not worn it out anywhere. Uh, If you end up getting a shirt and wearing it somewhere, even if it's just in your own backyard, standing in front of your newly tidied room, or even if you take a photo of yourself in front of the next mess that you decide you're going to tackle, please do tag me. I'm at Clean Your Room Podcast on Instagram. And you can use the hashtag Clean Your Room Podcast Challenge. Uh, I can't remember also, because it's been so long ago, if I mentioned this nearly enough last week since I didn't do a full transcript or reading of the episode, Um, but I really enjoyed. Actually, I'm not sure if enjoyed is the right word because it also feels icky and stressful at the same time. Uh, Netflix has added some new episodes of Hoarders, which I found very engrossing. All my favorite um, people, favorite organizers, favorite uh, psychologists are on there. Let's just say I actually don't even remember whether I was cooking, cleaning, or sewing or what I was doing while I watched the episodes. I was pretty involved. Um, They were very extreme hoarders, like a bunch of people that had acquired stuff that they mean to sell, but you know they're never going to sell these things. I personally think it helps me to know that I have not reached that level of hoarding recently, that I may have a lot of things and my mom get on my may get on my back about that now and then. Mm, she is also a hoarder. So thank you, mom. Uh, but uh, I do not have bugs in my home except for the occasional spider or, gnat, you know, fungus gnat from plants or fruit fly. Um, I can find my things and they're not broken or dusty most of the time. So yeah, if you want to learn more about hoarding disorder, how to talk to someone if you're having a problem with, you know, if, if you see a friend or family member that is struggling and you want to know how to most effectively uh, approach them about it, or really what hoarder shows is a lot of what not to do or say uh, when when dealing with a hoarding situation or person, uh, or even to just understand if yourself a bit better, if you have a shopaholic or hoarder tendency. Um, I really recommend the show. There are episodes of it everywhere. There's some on Netflix or some on Hulu. Um, and then also on Netflix, this is going to be They're not paying me to say these nice things about their shows, by the way. Um, And these parts may not have anything to do with cleaning. Um, We just watched Bo Burnham's Inside, which is his musical comedy special made during last year's quarantine. Uh, It is very dark humor, which my partner and I very much enjoy. We love Bo Burnham, pretty much all his recent work, including the movie Eighth Grade. Um trigger warning for suicide on that and is definitely not safe for work. So just be warned. Other than that, it's very beautiful and funny. And I look forward to memorizing the songs from it. Um, oh, what else? Um, I just finished season two, Dirty John. This is the Betty Broderick story. It stars Amanda Pete, Christian Slater, Rachel Keller, and a bunch of other amazing folks, um, especially the young man who plays the young Dan Broderick. So Christian Slater's, uh, the the guy who plays the younger character that Christian Slater is representing, um, he does a great Christian Slater 
impression. And um, the show as a whole really surprised me a lot because although I've heard Betty Broderick's story told before, I never imagined the level of sympathy um, that this particular dramatization uh, brings to the story. I think it's told really well. Um, I also listened to the LA Times podcast, It Was Simple, The Betty Broderick Murders, from which a lot of the dialogue was pulled. And I had the show very fresh in my mind. It was chilling to hear audio of real life people involved in the story, um, like uh, friends and family members uh, of uh, Betty and Dan Broderick um, and of uh, Linda Kulkina, who was the second Mrs. Broderick. Um, just having heard their words spoken by actors in the dramatic version, like mere hours before, that was really um, strange and chilling, a very weird experience. Um, so well done. And also the first season of Dirty John, also super excellent. Um, it is about a woman who uh, ends up married to someone who has been misrepresenting himself to many, many people, essentially like a huge con man. Um, it's Connie Britton, who's amazing. Um, Eric Bana plays the Dirty John, um, terrible con man person. Uh, also, Juno Temple is in it as Connie Britton's character's daughter. You might know uh, from Apple TV's Ted Lasso, another great show that I have on my listen to while cleaning rotation since I've pretty much been burned out on podcasts lately. Um, oh, by the way, uh, the, this the podcast and the television show are all based on real life. Um, so true crime. Uh, things things that happen to real people. So very sad, um, very chilling and strange. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, uh, burned out on podcasts lately, she said while recording her own podcast. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're just not in the mood. Sometimes you just need a little TV or a show that you've seen over and over again. For me, that that comfort show is CSI, things that you can, shows that you can picture in your head with just the audio going on while, while you are scrubbing something down or reorganizing something massive. Um, I actually was even in the mood this week to just listen to the movie The Minimalists on Netflix, which is the, I think it's a short documentary. It's, it's not super long. Uh, it's made by Joshua Fields Milburn and um, Ryan Nicodemus. Uh, and, and even though I'm nowhere near putting all my stuff in boxes for months to see what I can and can't live without, I do actually find it uh, really stimulating food for thought to hear about other people's experiences with minimalism. And it's just it's just something to uh, aspire to uh, coming from the you know hoarding side of the spectrum. Uh, speaking of which, I did watch another show this weekend, not about hoarding this time but has to do with reorganizing. I did a major reorganization of a shelf and cabinet in my bedroom slash office. Um, and while I was doing that, I was playing a terrific show on Netflix, but it was really hard to watch while doing a very involved cleaning task that required me to like, like it was hard to be looking at the show as it was happening and also looking at the stuff I was supposed to be organizing. Um, it was the British reality contest show, uh, Interior Design Masters, where designers compete for a prestigious commercial design contract. I'm sure there's money and other considerations there too is pretty great. Uh, what you would expect from these types of creative challenge shows like Great British Bake Off and things like that. Um, they're like really, really amazing wins, massive failures. Uh, I had started the day out, um, I think Sunday. I was organizing a shoe cabinet. That is, I had this cabinet full of other stuff. I took everything out of it, sorted all my shoes by size and color. I built little cardboard dividers to hold my shoes and I jammed them all into the Ivar cabinet and it looks fantastic. I'll share that on Instagram. Um, while I was doing that, I was trying to watch interior design masters and I kept finding that I had to pause 
um, because I would have to leave the room to go cut the cardboard. And it was just a little bit um, jarring. But one of the episodes, even though it was all chopped up uh, and I kept having to rewind or pause, um, I they the designers in the contest uh, redid a yarn shop and I got the idea from them to take a lot of my yarn out of hiding so I can look at it all the time and it's really pretty. Um, I I normally have it all stored in bins with lids so that my uh, cat John Carter will not get into them. They basically uh, in the show they piled the yarn into these round cardboard tubes so you could see them all arranged from the side and I thought well I can do that on my Kallax shelves so that's what I did. I will post photos of that on Instagram. Uh, I did a bunch of stories on the weekend, but I'll make sure to add them to posts as well, uh, or maybe reels. I don't know. Um, I had to put some other items around the front of the bottom shelf so that John Carter does not get any bright ideas of pulling the yarn down for himself. Uh, he gets very, very growly and he treats the yarn like either his prey or his baby. I'm not sure which. He gets super aggressive when you try to take it away from him. Uh, and a lot of my yarn is very expensive, like $30 plus uh, yarn. So, so far so good. No yarn has been harmed in the making of this experiment. And the display looks really nice and very happy with that. Um, also happy to have all my shoes out of a random box under my desk and displayed in a cabinet uh, where I can get to them easily and keep the dust off them. They're, they got very, very dusty in that open box. Uh, okay, so I think I might be done talking about TV for the moment. Um, before I move on, I did want to mention a book that is now available for pre-order. It is called The Afro-Minimalist's Guide to Living with Less, written by Christine Platt. She's at Afro-Minimalist on Instagram. You can find her website at afrominimalist.com. I know I've told you before even in this episode that I'm not a minimalist. I just aspire to those ideals, but I probably will never become one. However, I still pre-ordered the audiobook of The Afro-Minimalist's Guide to Living with Less, so I'm not getting a physical copy, which I feel would be counterproductive to my whole decluttering regime. Um, it comes out June 15th, and it's Christine Platt's Guide to Living Life with Greater Intention. It's less of a uh, cleaning and organization book than it is more of uh, a tale of her journey, an introspection into how our attitudes towards stuff are shaped by things that we experienced growing up. Uh, as you may be able to tell from the title, it's influenced more by her heritage as part of the African diaspora, whereas a lot of minimalist aesthetics are very centered on whiteness or sometimes Japanese culture. I'm, you know, it depends what you've consumed in that arena of minimalism. Um, I'm really looking forward to reading it, although I'm not black myself. I think there is a lot of commonality and shared ground between um, my heritage and that of other black, brown, indigenous, and melanated people. So if you're interested in that, check it out. It's available in book form, ebook, audiobook. I'm going to link how to get it digitally through. Once Upon a Time, which is my local bookshop, or through Brainlayer Books, which is not local to me, but owned by my friend Kathy and is a Black woman-owned business. So look for those links in the show notes. Um, also in the show notes, I will link a recent article by Apartment Therapy, which talks about trigger cleaning. So this is not the bad kind of trigger, like trigger warning. Um, this is where you build habits by chaining events together. For example, Five minutes before my workday ends, I tidy up my desk so that I can start my next workday with a clean surface. Uh, or if I'm getting up to go to the kitchen before I leave the room that I'm in, I look around for anything that might belong in the kitchen. So I'm always looking to return things to where they belong rather than leaving things lying around wherever they happen to land in the apartment. Uh, the article also mentions the book Atomic Habits by James Clear which I haven't finished reading, but it's a very good book as well. Um, again, I will link the various ways that you can get those books in my show notes. If you are so inclined, you can even purchase these books from my bookshop. The link is in my link tree and on the website, or go straight to bookshop.org slash shop 
slash clean your room podcast. Or if you have a local independent bookshop, that would be an excellent place to get any and all of these great books. So just one more thing. Uh, Joshua Becker runs a website uh, called Simplify Magazine. He's written other books as well on minimalism since we're on that topic. Uh, if you, like me, are even the least bit interested or tempted by minimalism or in the very least decluttering, the organization issue just dropped. I haven't read it yet, but you can find it at uh, simplifymagazine.com. It's $6 an issue. You can get them just digitally. Um, or you can spend $20 and uh, you'll get every issue of the magazine for a lifetime subscription. That's the life of the magazine or your life, whichever ends first, I, I'm assuming. Um, okay, so that's a lot of recommendations for this week. Here's a quick break for an ad and then on to the show. So I'm still following this kind of freeform episode format. I would love to hear your feedback about it. I hope it's not too annoying for you. Uh, the sort of scripted reading method that I was doing before where I would completely write out the entire episode, it was pretty great for stopping me from rambling um, and tr trying to keep myself on topic, but it was also a lot of work and it definitely slowed down how uh, I produced the show. So now that I'm trying to get back on a weekly cadence, I really wanna make sure that I'm working in the most efficient way possible. So this week we're going to talk about paper. Uh, let me tell you about my struggle with paper. I love paper. Um, when I was a child, I collected stationery. There was such a thing as um, going to, I went to a Catholic school in the Philippines and um, you would spend all day, 10, sometimes 12 hours with your classmates um, and some of the kind of fun, I don't know, this I don't know if this is a cultural thing for Filipinos, but, um, or Filipinos that went to private school. Um, but, uh, we would, um, go shopping on the weekends and, um, buy really cute stationery. Um, sometimes they have cute characters. They usually have pretty colors. Um, you know, sometimes it's Sanrio. Sometimes it's just like completely random, some animal, character or anime looking thing. Um, you buy stationery and notebooks and erasers were a really big thing. Sometimes they had a smell to them. They smell like strawberries or flowers or um, there were also like fragrance beads that we were really into. You can buy these different little pellets of plastic, which I'm sure uh, many of those um, collection hobbies and, and stationery uh, hobbies that we had when I was a child have definitely contributed to, you know, just the downfall of the climate of the planet's climate. Um, sorry, oceans and ozone and people. Um, yeah, so I've I've always loved paper, not to mention the fact that um, no, I'm going to mention it. I will mention the fact that um, my parents are both architects and um they're old school architects. Um, even though my mom do, has done uh, computer aided drafting, she and my dad, even to this day, still work a lot on paper and have a lot of paper in the home. And so do I, even though I'm not an architect. Um, it's just a thing. I think one of my other interests that probably read to this big accumulation of paper was um, in my youth, like middle school, high school. And for a little bit after that, I really, really wanted to be a writer. And, um, you know, writing involves uh, collecting ideas and um, practicing your writing and developing a style. And do you write in longhand or do you type on your computer? There were times, especially when I was younger, where I didn't have access to a computer or a word processor or a typewriter, if you know what that is. Um, so, uh, often I would have notebooks and journals and um, uh, I actually haven't kept many of my old journals and notebooks that were already written in, but you can bet that any blank uh, notebook, even like planners or calendars or whatever dated things that I uh, never wrote in, I probably still have them somewhere in my apartment. They're probably all in a box um, and I have several stacks of them 
collected. And uh, if you are listening and you um, even recently or a long time ago gave me paper in some form, whether it's a notebook or stationary set or greeting cards or whatever, don't worry about it. It's not, (laughs) I'm not blaming other people for my struggle with paper. My struggle is my own. Uh, What I do with it is my own thing. Um, And, you know, this episode is really, really talking about that. Um, Yeah, uh, important papers, for example. I struggled with that for a really long while. I think part of me, again, also the part of me that either wanted to be an accountant or a librarian or some kind of archivist, um, was really into um, collecting uh, things that, like official things that I'd been mailed like statements for things like financial, like um, uh, 401k paperwork or, you know, just random stuff. Health insurance, which changes every year, which really we shouldn't be printing out on paper anymore unless required by law. Um, If papers are important, um, I actually think that it is in your best interest to um, be really sure uh what, which of these papers are in fact important and unshreddable. Um, For example, um, I became a citizen of the United States and I have a certificate in a fireproof box (laughs) that says that I'm a citizen of the United States. Um, Things like that, uh, identification, passport, social security information, um, whether if you own anything, like I recently paid off my car and uh, the bank sent me the deed for my car so that's amazing or sorry the title for my car not the deed um things like that are in fact really important papers that you should keep protected also you know i live in southern california this is a very fire disaster heavy um area and if something is so important you should probably um do your best to try to keep it safe so we have important papers like those hidden away in a fireproof box, uh, something that's light enough that you can, if you need to, grab it and go. Um, so if we were, knock on wood, ever threatened um, in our area with with a fire or some kind of disaster like that, um, we do have, no one, we know where it is. Two, it's safe just in case we can't get to it Um at the time. Uh, and so hopefully that will be strong enough to protect it from any, you know, flooding or water damage or smoke damage or actual fire. Um, so yeah, important papers. I think also what happens sometimes is that, um, if you're not really scrutinizing, um, the source or the meaning or like what the paper is used for, Um, that you might sometimes receive papers and um, think, oh, this is really important. Let me save this um, without actually reading uh, the paper and figuring out, oh, they sent me a copy of this because by law they're required to send me a copy of this paperwork uh, just in case I don't have a computer or I don't have the internet. Um, But if I shredded this entire packet of information, it is actually all accessible online. If I just go to, you know, my benefits portal, if I log into my bank, if I log into um, whatever institution's website, I actually have all the necessary information on there that if I wanted to, I could print another copy or I could download it and submit it as like, here's my proof of this this thing. Um, So important papers, one, if you can, for certain things, opt out um, and go paperless. Like we haven't gotten bank statements in a very long time. I don't actually remember when it became like a normal thing to uh, go opt for paperless delivery of uh, things like bank statements and things like that. It's probably over 10 years ago. And so I just haven't even seen one for that long. Um, ditto checks, actually, we, we write them so infrequently that I think, um, my partner and I have been 
together for a really long time. We banked together for a really long time, even before uh, we got married. Um, and I think we just now, very recently, after a couple of decades, uh, ordered new checks. I don't know. It, fe it feels like it's been a really long time. I could be wrong about that. We, we I think we did change our accounts a couple of years ago and got brand new checks. But still, it's a very, very slow way of consuming um, these important papers. Um, so yeah, really determine... Uh, do I need this actual certificate? Is it irreplaceable? Is it going to be a pain in the butt to get a new copy, like an official version of, I don't know, your birth certificate? Definitely don't shred that. <laughs> um, uh, things like your passport. Um, again, make sure that the paper is actually important and not just seems important. Um, make sure that you know where it is. Keep it in a safe place. Keep it in an appropriate container. Um so that you can access it when you need to or, you know, keep it safe from disaster. Um, another area that I struggle with is temporary papers. So I've uh, really tried to make it a policy of mine, especially this last year, to not use post-its. Uh, one, I'm cooped up in my home. Like, this note isn't going anywhere. Um, two, I tend to... I'll scribble a note down and then I'll never look at it again. <laughs> so temporary papers like post-its or notepads or things like that, like I think if it is something really throw away, like if you're playing Scrabble or something like that and you don't necessarily save that information of like, oh, this is how many points I got, that is temporary. You know, when you're done with it, determine, okay, can this go in recycling? Is it important? Does it have something that is private, like someone's phone number or address or email address that I should probably tear up or shred? Um, or is it this just super temporary? Another thing we'll talk about um, stopping junk paper at the source a little bit later is that um, there are many other ways uh, if you can just kind of um, curb your impulse to write on a post-it or write on a piece of scrap paper that you will lose and never read again, um, there are a lot of better ways to be taking notes or creating reminders or things like that for yourself than um, to create this piece of temporary paper that then either is going to get recycled or, I mean, that's best case scenarios that you find it, decide, okay, I'm done with this and recycle it. Worst case scenario, it will sit around for a really, really long time and take up space and gather dust and you'll get, um, not weevils. What's the thing I want to say? Silverfish. Um, and you know, years later, your children or friends or whoever is cleaning out your home will unearth this random piece of paper and it has like your score from a Scrabble game, uh, in 2021. So temporary papers, uh, if you find that they are a problem for you, uh, try to figure out an alternative um, so that you are not like grocery shopping, for example. I haven't part of it is that we haven't really left our home to do any grocery shopping. So um, I haven't been writing little shopping lists and you know, losing them while I'm shopping and that kind of thing. Um, we have really been doing everything in our grocery app, like either Instacart or where or wherever you shop for groceries um, or um, notes has a really good function for kind of putting together a little checklist. Um, so yeah, that's temporary papers. I definitely still struggle with. I'm getting a little better. I just need to keep working at it. Um, another area, um, again, this hasn't come up recently because I don't leave the house, but there are times when um, you'll go somewhere uh, to an event or maybe you're shopping or, um, I don't know, attending an open house or something educational and someone hands you a piece of paper. Uh, I think the most recent example that I had of this was... Um, when we got vaccinated. So we went to um, one of the UC uh, campuses, University of California, and they hand you um, this piece of paper that has information um, either about the vaccine or like what to do. Um, but 
They also have a QR code that you can scan with your phone. I found this very handy, and this may differ from state to state or whatever country that you're in, that there was a QR code at the desk that I could just scan. And it would open a website that had the information that I needed and I didn't have to take that piece of paper. So that's what I mean about by turn down papers. Uh, there will be instances when someone will offer you a piece of paper and if you know that you have problems with those things that you may want to turn them down or at least look at it, determine do you want to keep it for a little while and then recycle it or uh, is this something that absolutely does not pertain to you and should you hand it back to that person? <laughs> so um, I can think of like applications are probably like that. Um, what else? Brochures. Uh, we went to, this is a couple of years ago now, and we were not seriously looking for um, a place to live at the time because uh like I may have mentioned, we live in Southern California and Southern California real estate is very, very expensive. We cannot afford to buy anywhere here. Um, but we went to an open house and not only did we receive, we each received a piece of paper. Actually, I think one of us at least gave the piece of paper back that had the specifications about the location and, you know, the square footage and how many rooms, da, da, da. And, um, the, um, the realtor's information and all of that kind of thing. I think we ended up with two pens, which at least I feel like pens are useful. Again, if we could have politely turned her down and just been like, oh, no, we don't need pens. Like, I've already got this one piece of paper that has your contact information, everything I need. Not that I think that I'm going to contact you, but just to be polite, I have your information. Um, yeah, turn down papers, turn down freebies if you can. Um, I know it's really hard for us as well. Uh, again, it's been a couple of years, but we usually go to Comic-Con in San Diego and there's usually a lot of um, people, marketers, um, kind of like street team folks that are handing out things, um, whether they're ads or postcards or uh, swag. <clears throat> It can be really difficult to turn things down, um, but uh, I don't know. The next time you're offered something, just remember me telling you about this. And if it is an item that you receive and decide, hey, I actually really struggle with collecting too many of these things and not using them and also not throwing them away or recycling them when I should be doing, um, then you can exercise that muscle and just say, hey, thank you. I really appreciate this. Um, I'll, you know, I'll follow you on social media or whatever, but I don't need this piece of paper. You can, you're allowed to turn it down. Um, so hopefully that works. I mean, don't be a jerk. I know that there's also a thing of like, um, I've worked in uh, sales and retail and stuff like that before where it was literally like, no, I just need to get rid of this stack of flyers so that I can go home. So don't be a jerk about it, obviously, but um, again, just be just recognize those opportunities when you can really be like, oh, yeah, no, um, I don't we don't need two playbills. We, we live in the same place. We'll just take the one playbill um, if playbills, um, physical playbills ever still become a thing again in the this post COVID world that we will soon be living in, hopefully. Um, and then next uh, think about stopping junk at the source. This is something that I tend to do not necessarily every week. Um, I'll usually do it every other week or maybe once a month. It just depends how much junk mail um, that we receive uh, in a particular time. And what I mean by stop junk mail at the source is um, you collect your mail, you go through it. Sometimes you'll have legitimate mail, as in someone has sent you a personal card or letter, someone has sent you uh, a bill that you actually need to pay or like your car registration or whatever. <clears throat> but sometimes it's just like a catalog or like an offer for, you know, redeem this code and you'll get um, three free boxes of food or what have you. Um, those kinds of things 
what I usually do will is um, go through the piles. I'll separate out the items that um, need to be shredded as in it has our personal information printed on it. I'll separate out items that we need to keep as in like it's an official piece of paper or something sentimental like a letter or a card that someone has sent me. Um, and then I'll have another pile that is um, for stopping junk and it's basically um, for a catalog or a magazine for example. Uh, save the label and you can recycle the rest of the magazine or catalog. Um, the catalogs usually have this like white area that has um, your name and address on it. It usually will have a customer number, that kind of information. There's all this like routing information encoded into that little area where your address is. And so usually what I will do once I've set those things aside is um, I will either look up the company because normally they will have some kind of way to contact them. You can either chat or email or call them. Uh, sometimes you can just submit a ticket on their website and say, hey, uh, I received this mailer from you. Here is a photo or, you know, you can type out the entire um, label. I would include any asterisks or lines or just like exactly as it is spelled on the label or customer number just so they can verify that they're looking at the correct uh, record in their system. And some pe some places will tell you, oh, sorry about that. Our catalogs are, you know, printed and, um, you know, planned out far, far in advance. So you may still get three or four more catalogs after this. So just keep an eye out um, for those. But hopefully once you place that request that the the deluge of marketing, um, paper marketing that you receive in the mail will stop from that company. Um, and a lot of, I've actually had really good experiences, especially over the past year. Um, even there are these mailers that come in that's just a random sheet of, it's a random pile of different offers for like U-Hauls and storage and Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, Everybody gets these and you can actually most of the time reach out to the company, just look for the exact company name. Sometimes it'll even be printed on um, the label or the catalog itself. If you want to opt out of these mailings, contact us at this email address or go to this website or call this phone number. Um, I have totally called people and, you know, I'm always really nice to I feel bad for these people and say, hey, you know, um, I'm still interested in your product. If I am interested in the product, I follow you on social media. I don't need this catalog. I'm happy to shop on the website. I just don't want any junk mail. And uh, most of them will be happy to block, um, you know, stop sending you catalogs and mail. Um, credit card offers is another thing. So a couple of things, uh, websites that I will have in the show notes. One is catalogchoice.org. Um, and that's where you can go and try to opt out of um, receiving um, basically I used to get really random catalogs like for things that I haven't ordered from in 30 years like Lillian Vernon which I'm still really surprised is around um, not that I don't love Lillian Vernon I, I love that stuff I just I don't need the catalog for it um, the other website uh, uh, is optoutprescreen.com, and that is a website that you can apply to. It's like the official um, website for the credit industry to, or it's the credit reporting, oh, sorry, consumer credit reporting industry. So Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, everywhere that um, issues credit cards or um, monitors credit ratings. Um, so optoutprescreen.com, if you uh, sign up there, it will help to block all of those um, uh, credit card offers that you randomly will receive in the mail, which also probably is good for most people to turn those things off, um, especially if you are a spendaholic like I am. Um, it is usually a terrible idea to get a new credit card, especially when you don't need one. I mean, most of us don't need one. Um, so yeah, those are two of the websites. I'll put them in the show notes. 
I've had really good success with um, reducing the amount of junk mail that I receive by, by using those and also just paying attention to the mail. Sometimes uh, there will be a specific website on the credit card offer that you get um, that you can go to and request to be removed from their mailing list. Um, and, and then another thing, so I talked earlier about temporary papers, um, replace papers temporary papers with digital media. So keep in mind that you will probably be expending electricity from your phone or your laptop or your tablet or whatever, but it will help reduce your paper consumption, which I, I find is mainly the problem that, that I face. Um, so I have an iOS, uh, I have an iPhone, I use an iPad, I have a Mac. Um, so a lot of my experience revolves around products that are made for uh, that platform. Um, so my main one, I would say my go-to is notes because it's native to, uh, iOS on MacBook. I usually use text edit because it is a plain text editor and it's very easy to just jot notes down there. Um, the other thing with notes on your iPhone, iPad is you can sync them up with iCloud. If you have a partner like I do or if family members or friends that you need to share information with, you can share it just like you would share a Google Drive um, document uh, and have shared notes. Uh, they're searchable, so you could go in the notes app and I don't remember where I put this particular information, search it right up. Um, it is a lot harder to search physical paper. So if you have a ton of notebooks and you made a note in one of them and you're looking for it unless you have some kind of like cataloging system or like bullet journal or that kind of thing it will typically be difficult to remember unless you have you know a photographic memory um what other apps do i use i've been using notability um, that has been really good for collecting a lot of PDFs and um, documents that I find that I need to refer to a lot. I'm also a knitter. So um, instead of printing out physical patterns for my knitting, I put them in Notability. That also makes them searchable. Um, there's other, for knitting specifically, there's also apps like Knit Companion that are very good at um you know, that you can upload your PDF patterns to that and track your projects that way. Um, if that is not a concern for you, ignore that part. Um, there's also an app for iOS called GoodNotes, and GoodNotes is what I use my Passion Planner um, undated ca uh, calendar PDF with. Um, I really love that one. And I so Notability and GoodNotes, I believe, are both things that you have to pay for at least once. Um, but once you've purchased the apps, you can download them to all of the devices that are assigned into your iTunes or App Store account. Um, and you can share that information across devices, which is very handy. The thing that differentiates Notability, which you can also handwrite things in from GoodNotes, is that in GoodNotes, when you handwrite, it also becomes searchable text. So I like what I was taking these architecture classes um, last year and earlier this year, and I would take all my notes in good notes. And then when I was trying to remember something, I could actually type in a keyword and good notes would pop up the page of the notebook that I had written it on. So that's super handy. I really like that. Um, I do not have a ton of experience with uh, Note-taking apps for Android, so I apologize. Android and PC are kind of not my wheelhouse. Um, I do uh, a couple of things. Um, Google Drive shouldn't matter what um, platform you're on because it's on the cloud and it's on the web and you can access it anywhere. Um, and then some of the things that I'm about to mention, I, I believe a bunch of them do have some kind of um, either subscription or pay for um, component. One that I have used before to great success is Evernote. I do think it's kind of expensive now. Um, Evernote is just kind of like an endless notebook. Um, and I believe it is compatible with both iOS and Android. Um, and yeah, that does have, I don't know the pricing offhand because it's been a while since I paid for it. Um, but that is, that does have paid options. 
Um, another one which I've been encouraged to use on my work computer, but I haven't yet. Um, my my home computer doesn't have Microsoft, um, but for work we have Microsoft and OneNote is the notebook app for it. So I haven't played around enough with that, um, but uh, I plan to very soon because I'm also doing a bunch of projects at work that I think would really lend themselves to using OneNote instead of writing out a bunch of paper. Um, there's also, I don't know if you've heard of Notion. Uh, Notion is more of like a wiki, kind of like a personal wiki style um, website. And I believe that one is still free and has um, in-app person, uh, in-app purchase options is what I meant to say. That's at notion.so. Again, I don't work for them. I actually feel really bad. I think I've set up multiple uh, accounts with Notion for various reasons. And I just, I don't stick with it as much in terms of actually using it for stuff, but it is a really beautifully designed tool. And I really should answer one of their surveys there. I feel like they're a really good company. It's a really great tool. Um, there's a personal version that you can use just unlimited for zero dollars. Um, and then uh, there are upgrades that are available if you want to add additional funct functionality um, for like a couple bucks uh, per month. Um, I think they start at four dollars or something like that. And I believe those are available also for iOS, Android, Mac, and PC. So especially if you are um, trying to do group work or something like that, and um, or you have devices that are across platforms uh, and you don't want something that's just for iOS or just for Android, um, Notion might be a really good uh, digital notepad option for you. Um, I'm trying to think of more right now, but Nothing's coming to mind. I feel like I had more, but I'm just not remembering. Um, this is what I get for not completely writing out my episode word for word. But uh, yeah, I mean, I will probably come back and talk about paper more um, in the future. I actually have not been great at managing my paper recently. I think part of it is having so many ongoing projects happening at the same time. And also... Um, kind of losing my handwriting uh, mojo for the majority of the beginning of 2020 when I was just not writing things to people. Um, I've gotten a little better. I've been writing with the Apple Pencil. My, funny enough, my handwriting with the Apple Pencil is a little bit different depending on, or my handwriting differs depending on what utensil I'm actually writing with. It's a little different with that pen versus this pen, this pencil versus that pencil versus the Apple pencil. It's different everywhere. I can't seem to keep it consistent, but I am really enjoying at least like being able to, um, you know, practice my handwriting again um, in the digital format. Um, and then Another thing that I think is very crucial, especially if you are struggling with keeping your um, paper organized. Okay, I actually forgot to put organization in this into this uh, bulleted notes episode, but um, uh, definitely get some f hanging file folders. Uh, aside from that, um, fireproof box for your very important papers. You may have less important papers that you also still want to keep. Um, Personally, for a lot of sentimental stuff, I keep them in kind of pretty boxes. Like I have metal tins that used to come with cookies in them from a long time ago when I worked at Crabtree and Evelyn. Um, and those have like my personal letters, greeting cards that I've kept. I don't keep every greeting card. I started a furor in one of my Facebook groups by saying, no, shred them with like Christmas cards and things like that. I do actually save some things. If someone has written something meaningful or if someone's photograph is uh, on their, you know, Christmas or birth announcement or whatever it is, is particularly sweet and savable, um, I will save those. But uh, I would say a majority of the time I do like 75 to 80% um, of personal letters and cards and greeting cards. And even, yes, sorry, photographs of your family. Sometimes people send me those at the holidays. Uh, I have probably shredded most of those. And I do, 
I do take a mental picture before I do. Like I do want to remember, I want to think about these people fondly <laughs> before I pop their faces in the shredder. Um, uh, I swear I'm not a completely unsentimental monster. I do, I do save some things. Um, but, you know, for the other person's privacy and, you know, their children's privacy or, you know, to not have their address sitting around my house um, in places where random people might come across it, I do shred those things. Um, junk mail, the, uh, wherever something comes in with my address or my husband's information on them, even like all those... Um, credit card offers, loan offers, things like that, insurance. Um, I do shred all of that. Um, and there, I do also try to minimize the amount of stuff I need to shred. Sometimes I will look at the thing and if I can isolate where the um, private information is or account numbers or whatever it is that I'm trying to uh, avoid sharing with people, I will just tear out that section and then put the big part of the paper in recycling. The reason for this is I'm actually not super sure um, in terms of the recycling infrastructure here in the United States, how much of our shredded paper is properly getting recycled if it's not going to a really large company like Iron Mountain, which services my office that I haven't been to in a long time. Uh, so um, my, uh, our local recycling did actually send out a thing where they, they basically said, put your shredded paper in a bag and then you can put it in the curbside recycling. And then your other paper kind of just like bundle it together. Um, we'll usually throw it in either cardboard box or a, uh, paper shopping bag and throw that into the curbside recycling bin. So shred recycle when you can. That really helps um, reduce the volume along with all of these other um, techniques of turning down papers, trying to avoid creating temporary papers, and then um, trying to call, email, uh, chat with companies that are sending you mail that you do not need to have. Um, and then lastly, I would say worst in my struggle with paper is the paper that is actually brand new and clean and unused. I do a lot of art. I collect a lot of art papers. I have these giant watercolor, really nice um, art papers that I probably paid a hundred dollars or more for, just for the set. It's a lot of paper that was very expensive. Um, when I was in art school, uh, these unused materials, um, I think especially for someone who is creative, which might be a lot of you listening, um, it's really hard to let those materials go because we see the potential in them. We see that, you know, like, what if I wake up tomorrow and, um, you know, I'm off for the day and I'm struck with the inspiration to do a watercolor. Like, I need to have my brushes. I need to have my watercolors. I need to have my watercolor paper. Um, I, I, I can't, I still can't see my way into getting rid of these items. I do think I'm going to set myself the task this weekend of figuring out how I can more easily store uh, a lot of these because also some of my art papers are very, very large. <laughs> and um, there is a sense of, there's, for example, um, very large drawings that I did when I was younger, when I was in art school, when I was community college. Um, that I don't want to wrinkle or fold or roll or anything like that and um, still have to be stored flat. Um, I think I just need to take some time, pull it all out, figure out um, one, what is actually of use to me and like what amount of those items I should be keeping. Um, and then additionally what to do with the rest. I, I have been really having very good success with the buy nothing group and getting rid of really random items. Um, and then I do also have a friend who um, either works or volunteers for this store called Remainders in Pasadena, which also has opened a uh, maker space. And um, so actually this is a note to myself that I'm <laughs> 
doing audio format uh, to remind myself to talk to him and ask if he uh, or their organization are accepting donations for um, craft material, paper, art, uh, scrap fabric, things like that. So yeah, um, that is my struggle with paper. I hope that it makes you think uh, about your own situation. Maybe you don't struggle with the amount of paper that you have in your home. Lucky you. Um, I do have, um, not to name any names, like I, I know people who have struggled with, for example, um, like financial statements and things like that and keeping things for a certain time. Like you should keep your taxes for seven years. I don't think there's anything necessarily, um, you know, unless it's like contracts or things, things like certificates that are actually irreplaceable. Um, that you necessarily need to keep. Like if, if you have actual <laughs> cash money or bonds or things like that, definitely keep those things. But there, if, if you look through um, your paperwork, you might find that there are actually a lot of things that are either outdated, you don't have that account anymore. For example, I had like a trading account probably 20 years ago that, um, you know, hasn't been used in a decade or more. Um, that I finally had just to call the company, ask customer support what to do in order to close this account. And they sent me more paper, which is fine. I put it in the file for taxes for next year. But at least um, I, you know, the, it's now minimized. It's now ended that account and I won't be receiving any more paper from that. And that, that I'm really thankful for. Um, so whether you struggle with determining whether papers are important to keep or not, whether things are sentimental or not that you should keep things that are temporary or even just turning down uh, or stopping junk um, paper from coming into your home, uh, shredding it and recycling it when possible, um, and then properly storing any art papers or un unused materials, even just regular printed paper, like definitely Make sure that you're um, properly storing it so that it's flat, the, it's not getting dusty, it's not getting wet, it's not turning up the corners because, you know, if you put that weird paper into your printer, if you have a printer, it will really screw up um, the way that it's printing. So, uh, yeah, that, that is my struggle. I hope you don't have a struggle or that if you have a struggle with paper that this helps you think about uh, ways of possibly dealing with um, those situations. Uh, if you have tamed your paper and taken any photos, videos, before and afters, you know I love to see stationery and journals, whether or not they're still blank. Uh, and would like to share any of those photos with the rest of the audience and me, please use the hashtag clean your room podcast challenge and at mention me clean your room podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Again, you can follow me on both platforms at clean your room podcast. I'm also on Twitter as fruit juice. That's F R O O T J O O S. We also have a Facebook page. If you'd like to discuss, ask questions or share your cleaning challenges, the Facebook group is paused, but you can still find the Clean Your Room Podcast public page. You can find links to all of these from my social media profiles, Linktree and cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can leave me an audio message or send me an email. You can find the links to do that. Uh, send an audio message or email on cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can also email in to info at cleanyourroompodcast.com. Again, you'll find this and all the rest of the links I've mentioned on my website and social profiles. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can rate or review the show. You can make a monthly contribution through our anchor.fm page, and you can even shop from our bookshop page, which also supports independent bookstores across the country with every purchase. Find us at bookshop.org shop slash Clean Your Room Podcast. Clean Your Room Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alethea Alire. The original opening music is called Bubble Guts, also composed by me. The podcast logo was illustrated by Ashlyn Anstey. You can find more about her artwork and writing at ashlyna.com. That's A-S-H-L-Y-N-A dot com. 
She also has a podcast with her husband, Grant Pardee, called Grashland Party, which you should definitely check out. This episode was sponsored by and produced on Anchor FM. Thanks again for listening. This is Alethea signing off and reminding you to clean your room.